aren't you glad that there are many more different colored cars in America? Aren't, for instance, aren't you glad there really aren't many pink cars? Because no one wants a pink car nation. Do you know the difference between an elephant and a turtle? Well, elephant, everybody knows that an elephant never forgets, right? But the other, he has turtle recall. Now, here's the good news. you got the rest of the year, and you'll never hear two worst jokes all year. You've already got the worst jokes that you will hear all year done and out of the way. So you now have, you can look forward to the new year as we lay it before the Lord and say, this is yours, Father. I'm dedicating it to you. I want to serve you. I want people to know that I belong to you as you start this new year. Folks, I'm not sure what this year holds for us, but I know who holds this year in the palm of his hand. I'm confident that I can trust him. I can trust his provision. I can trust his care. And his word tells me to be anxious for nothing. That includes what this new year is going to bring. That I am safely in his care under his wing. My expectations for 2021 are not about safety and comfort. My expectations are all about trust and faithfulness. Trusting in his faithfulness. Trusting in his care. My hope for 2021, I'm just going to put it out there this morning. My hope for 2021 is not a return to normalcy. My hope and prayer for 2021 is a return to God. That's my prayer. See, to return to normalcy, to return to normal, means turning back and being a church that's, sleep, that's asleep at the wheel. What I'm praying for, what I'm hoping for, is to see so many of the people that we've been praying earnestly for their salvation to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior this year. And I am not so sure that all that we are facing, all that we've been enduring, is not God allowing them to, to all of us, to be put in such a situation where they're more open to the truth of His Word. I think in order for revival, in order for an awakening to occur, possibly the trials and the difficulties are going to have to come in order for them to open up their eyes and see their need for the Lord Jesus Christ. I think one of the most difficult things, one of the most trying things for the church, the body of Christ, is just being comfort, comfortable and being so relaxed in the way that we do things that our eyes just cloud over with complacency. And I believe that's what's happening. The book of James, James talking to the kingdom saints there, tells them to count it all joy when they fall into divers' trials, various trials. The joy comes with people realizing where their strength comes from, where their source of peace comes from. It's not in what the world gives. It's what the Lord Jesus gives. My faith this morning is not in politicians, Certainly not in government. It's not even in patriots and lovers of liberty. See, I, during the week, I get so caught up and, and so uh, anxious to hear what patriots and those who are standing for liberty are going to post and are going to say. And I have to come back to the realization that our hope, 
our safety, our trust is in the God who is on his throne, who rules and reigns in the affairs of man. And that's where my faith and trust is this morning. And I pray his will be done. We pray with tears. We pray crying out to God for our loved ones that don't know Christ. But what if all of this that we are enduring is happening because it's, it's, we're praying for an awakening. Maybe this persecution, which I believe is going to get much more uh, harrowing for the church, the body of Christ, folks, as we go into 2021. Maybe it's to bring them to Christ Jesus. It's a change of heart that people are needing. Not so much a change of mind, but a name, but a change of heart. And until that change of heart takes place, and that change of heart comes about with men and women standing and preaching the word of God and saying, Thus saith the Lord. It's God's word that changes the hearts of man. It is his word that works its way into the heart. It's the word of God that the Holy Spirit uses to bring conviction. And so that is why we are going to continue to preach the word of God. Now this morning I'm not trying to paint a picture of doom and gloom. I am not trying to, trying to do that at all. On the contrary, what I'm trying to do is show a future that is ripe with the opportunity for us to be faithful. Amen. I'm trying to paint a picture, or what I'm going to attempt to do is paint a picture of 2021 which is going to provide an opportunity for us as members of the body of Christ to stand for truth Amen. and righteousness. It's going to give us an opportunity to be a testimony of courage as we trust God through this time. So here's my question. Are you ready for 2021? Personally, I think it's an exciting time in which to be alive and to which to be serving the risen Savior. We're going to have challenges. We're going to have opportunities. And we're going to be able to point people to the true and living God. Amen. Folks, I am positive. God is in control. Yep. My faith and trust is in Him. So realizing all of that, well, there's two things I want you to realize. Knowing all of that, there are two things I want you to realize. Number one, each and every one of you, you need to know, according to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that God is doing His work in everyone's life, being confident of this very thing, that He which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You can take that to the bank, that God has begun his work in you. And what work is that? God's word tells us in Romans is to conform you to the image of his son. Wow. And you can be confident that he's begun it. And there's absolutely nothing that's going to change God's plan, God's purpose, God's program for your life. You can safely trust in him. So no matter what happens in 2021... You can be confident that God has begun His work in you. I encourage you to take it personally, and it's going to come to pass. It's going to happen. God is going to mold and shape you into the image of His Son. What a tremendous promise that is. The other thing, as we head into 2021, is this could be the year. This could be the year of his return. You say, Pastor, you tell us that every year. Okay. Folks, you need to know, I tell myself that every morning. This could be the day. This could be the day. This could be the hour. This could be the minute. Wouldn't it be glorious that all of a sudden I'm standing here pointing my finger and the next second we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air? Hey, this could be the year. But you know what? Even if, even if it's not, I'm still going to keep praising. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep telling people that Jesus saves, 
that God is on, God is on his throne, that we're ministers of the word of reconciliation, that we're ambassadors for Christ, and we have a job to do until that day Amen. God calls us home. I encourage you to start off every single day with an air of excitement, with great expectation that this could be the day that Christ comes. As a matter of fact, his word tells us in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are to, we are to look for that blessed hope. There's a reason it's called the blessed hope. It's because he's coming and taking us out of here when things are not good. God's word tells us that in the last days perilous times shall come. I don't know about you, but I don't want to put up with a whole lot of perilous times. So it's the blessed hope for God to call us up. And we as believers are looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. But see, it even gets better. 2 Timothy 4.8, for those of you who are looking for that day, 2 Timothy chapter 4.8 says, There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. Amen. Isn't that great to know? That there is a crown of righteousness laid up for all of those who love his appearing. I think that's, a, that's a, a wonderful reward. And my question to you this morning is, do you love his appearing? If you're not saved this morning, I can understand why you wouldn't. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, I can understand why you would be fearful. But if you know the Lord... If you understand by faith he has saved you by his grace, then what a blessing that is. There is no need, there is absolutely no need for you to be, to be fearful. I don't know if this is the year, but we should live each and every day as if it were. Amen? Amen. And if it's not, it's still no reason to doubt. If it's not, it's still no reason to doubt. Don't mistake his absence. Don't mistake his delay as an indication that the Lord is not returning. It's really an indication of his grace, of his mercy, of his long-suffering, and of his love. Instead of saying, Lord, where are you? Why don't you get here? Understanding that what he's doing is giving your loved ones more of an opportunity to come to know him as Savior. Look at 2 Peter, chapter 3. You know, Peter warns about some of the folks in the last days are going to be scoffers. They're going to be saying, ah, oh, where, is, where is him coming? 2 Peter, chapter 3, verse 4. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Drop down to verse 8. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness but is long-suffering long to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All should come to repentance. That's God's heart's desire, is that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It is God is not willing that any man should perish. That's God's, that's God's offer of salvation to all who believe. 
Verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall melt away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation or living and uh, holy uh, living and godliness? looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens shall be on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And the only way you can be spot and blameless is to be in Christ. An account that the long-suffering of God, our Lord, is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you, as also in, his, as also in all of his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they also the other scriptures unto their own destruction." See, we don't want to be like those people that Peter is talking about. Wondering, well, he said he was coming, he's not coming. People have been saying this for years. We need to be expecting, we need to be watching, we need to be waiting faithfully because he is coming. Matter of fact, there's an interesting story that I read about uh, on May 17th, 1780. May 17, 1780, a man by the name of Colonel Abraham Davenport was the Speaker of the House of Representatives in the state of Connecticut. During the session where he was Speaker of the House, one day during the session, the sky went strangely dark. The clouds were ominous. There were those that were certain that the judgment day was upon them. There was a call, not telephone, but there was a call, not in 1780, but there was a call that went out for them to cancel the session, for them to dismiss, because they were certain that with the way the weather had changed and they had never seen such clouds, they had never seen such a weather phenomena ever. And they were certain that it, the day of judgment was upon them. And there was a call for them to end that session, to cancel it. Colonel Davenport stood up and he says this, and boy, I like this advice. He says the day of judgment is either approaching or it's not. If not, there's no need to adjourn. If it is, then I wish the Lord to find me doing my duty. Therefore, I order candles to be brought. Boy, and I, I like the way he ended that. Yes, it's dark. Yes, it's gloomy. Yes, we don't know what's going on. So let's, let's order more light. That's what this nation, that's what this world needs, is more light. The darker things are, the more obvious it is when those of us who understand and know who the light is are going to be much more effective. He just wanted the Lord to find him doing his duty. Therefore, I order more candles. Let's brighten this place up. I like that. See, the Lord doesn't want us standing around, gazing up into the sky, fretting, Climbing up on a high hill someplace and worrying and fretting. It's not what God's intent is. That's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to faithfully being that light that he desires for us to be. And if this is the year for the Lord's return, I want the Lord to find me faithfully serving. I want him to return with us witnessing us preaching, us standing firmly on the Word of God. So the question, there's three questions in case you're keeping track. 
question is this morning, if you knew this were the year, if you knew this were the year, what would be one of your New Year's resolutions? How would they be affected, affected if you knew this was the year? How would that knowledge change what you were doing? What, what would be your resolutions? I, I guarantee you, it wouldn't be the silly and absurd resolutions like, well, I'm just going to lose weight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of debt. Of course, that's not a bad resolution. I'm going to exercise more. See, the, the normal resolutions that we sometimes make, I think they would pale in comparisons if, if we knew that this was the year Christ was coming back. How would that affect our life? How would that affect our actions? I'm hoping that your resolution would honestly be, Lord, I want to be completely submissive to your will for my life. I would hope and pray that you would be like Isaiah in Isaiah 64, 8, where he talks about the potter and the clay, or Jeremiah in Jeremiah 18, 6, where he talks about, Father, you're the potter, I'm the clay. I want this to be a year where you mold and you shape and you work with my life. Where there would be that complete submission. And what is what is what does that submission entail? Well, one of the things that I believe it entails is us presenting our bodies as living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Paul tells the church there in Rome, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. I, I can't help but believe that if we were convinced that this is the year or this is the month, we would be embracing that scripture and we ought to be anyway. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. We need to be doing that, folks, anyway. For the Lord's return, the rapture is next week, or not for a thousand years. We need to be faithfully serving the Lord. So what all does that entail, that complete submission? Number one, it would be, it entails recognizing his lordship, his ownership over you. It entails recognizing that we have been bought with a price that we don't belong to ourselves. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. I'd, I think I read this verse just here not too long ago to you. But 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, you are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That complete submission entails recognizing that God owns you. He's bought you. You belong to Him. You no longer call the shots. Can you imagine can you imagine the church that is filled with believers, those who have been made new creations in Christ, where everybody understood that truth, that they've been bought with a price, they don't belong to themselves, their actions, their behaviors, their desires, everything controlled by the God who loves them? Boy, that would be exciting kind of reminds me of uh, a quote that Jim Elliott, I don't know if any of you ever heard of Jim Elliott, he was one of the five missionaries that was killed down in Ecuador. He and four other men were, were missionaries to Ecuador. They were trying to reach uh, new tribes. As a matter of fact, new tribes' mission came from that, their endeavor. Uh, his wife, Elizabeth Elliott, wrote the book, 
Through Gates of Splendor. If you've never read that book, let me encourage you to read that book, Through Gates of Splendor. It is, it's all about these, these men and their sacrifice and uh, reaching the, the tribe they were trying to reach, the tribe that, uh, that uh, killed them, the warriors that, that killed them in a, in a savage fashion. Uh, the attempts to reach them for Christ and how God blessed those attempts. But anyway, Jim Elliott, uh, he wrote this prior to going down, down there. He says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I like that. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Folks, that's all about the lordship of Christ. That's all about his ownership. And I'm not saying you need... Something we need to understand about lordship. We don't preach lordship salvation. You don't, People say, well, you have to make Jesus Lord to be saved. Folks, he's already Lord. He's already Lord. What you have to do to be saved is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I hear people all the time saying, well, you have to make Jesus Lord of your life. He's already Lord. We don't make him anything. We surrender our lives. We accept his ownership. So this, this complete submission entails recognizing his authority recognizing his ownership and living for him. That complete submission also entails submitting yourself to his word. Submitting yourself to his word. We live our lives according to what he tells us in his word. What he tells us to do in his word. But in order to know what he tells us in his word, what have we got to do? Get into His Word. We have to study His Word. That's what 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us. That's probably the, the anchor scripture of this church. That we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God. A workman that needs not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You want to understand this word? You want to understand this book? This Bible? Then you've got to rightly divide it in order to understand what it is that God is saying to you as members of the body of Christ. But to do that, you've got to get into it. You've got to understand God's Word. You've got to study. Somebody says, well, Pastor, I'm a new believer. Uh, where, where would you recommend I start? And, and I do this every year. Because this is, I highly recommend this for you. I highly recommend now is you start reading a proverb every day. There's 31 proverbs, Right? And most months have 31 days. So, boy, there's a devotional right there for you already for you to read a proverb every day. And at the end of the month, guess what you do? You start over. You know what? By the time 2022, 20, wow, that doesn't even sound right. Come, you're going to know the book of Proverbs. In the New Testament, I highly recommend you start with Colossians and then Ephesians. And if you say, well, Pastor, I have a hard time understanding some of that, call me. There is nothing that I cherish more and enjoy more than to be in my study. And it's amazing how people say, I don't, Pastor, I hate to bother you, but I have a question. Basically, what I'm doing is praying, Lord, let somebody call me that has a question. Because that's going to put me into the Word, put you into the Word. That is never, that is never a, an issue. That is never a problem. Don't ever think you're bothering me when you call and say, hey, I'm reading through Colossians. And when it, when it you know, it's talking here about uh, the, the, the mystery. I, I, I don't understand that. Ooh, I'm telling you. We'll get into it. We'll open God's Word together. So read Proverbs. Start with Colossians. Start with Ephesians. And just... That's God's Word and how 
how it will wash. It, submit yourself to His Word. Study His Word. Submit yourself to His Word in 2021. In order to know what it is that God would have you to do, folks, you've got to be into His Word. The other aspect of complete submission is service. Is service. God has called us to be His ministers, His ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20. This verse we probably hit on as much as 2 Timothy 2, 15 at this church. But boy, we just want to drive this truth home. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their sins unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. That's not the preacher's job. I mean, it is. But not only his job. He's committed unto us every single new creation in Christ. He is committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20 tells us that we are his ambassadors. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. You're ambassadors. You are ministers of the word of reconciliation. God's called us to serve. We are citizens of heaven. We represent heaven. Do you live like it? Do you live like it? You know, nearly every church that I've ever been a part of, at one time or another, when, if you talk to enough people, you're going to hear this said. At some point, you're going to have somebody say, why, I've lived in this neighborhood for whatever number of years, and not one person from that church has ever been by to invite me to that church. My hope and prayer is that's not true here. Now, we have canvassed this area. We have knocked on every door. We have passed out tracts. We have passed out flyers. See, what I'm hoping, if people have a complaint, it's not that we've not been by to welcome them, but those people just come and knock on my door all the time. They just will not give up. See, if people are going to complain, let them complain about that. Those people must love me enough that they just are relentless in their pursuit. You know why? Because God is relentless in His pursuit of them to know, to know Him. I, I read that on an average, in order to get one person to come to church with you, you have to do 50 invitations. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I read it. And it wasn't even on Facebook, so it may not be true. <laughs> but to get one person to come to church, you have to invite 50 people. Now, that's bad enough. But in order to win one person to Christ, you have to witness to 150 people. Think about that. And again, I'm not going to ask here how many people have ever led, led someone to Christ because unfortunately, very few hands would go up. That's sad. That's sad. But according to this thing that I read, in order to lead one person to Christ, you have to witness to 150 people. So let's do that, folks. Let's do that. Let's challenge those, those numbers. Because I guarantee you the Holy Spirit is working on people's lives. The Holy Spirit is convicting. You know, I, I think of the story of a guy by the name of Roger Sims. He, uh, this happened years and years ago. 
uh, Roger Sims had just gotten out of the army. He had just been discharged from the army. Uh, he was in Illinois. He was trying to get to his home in Illinois. And he was out on the highway, and he was hitchhiking, and he had his thumb out. And Roger Sims is a believer, been in the army for, for years. He was heading home, and he was hitchhiking, and this big, long Cadillac came barreling down the road. And the Cadillac pulled over, and he thought, wow, that's, that's nice. And so the guy let his window down and said, hey, soldier, you need a ride. And he said, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And so he jumped in the car uh, with a, a guy by, by the name of Hanover, this great big luxury Cadillac. And he said, I'm going as far as Chicago. He said, well, I live right outside of Chicago, and if you can take me partway, I'd appreciate it. And so uh, 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 Roger Sims and this Mr. Hanover, they started driving up to Chicago, and Roger Sims says he talked about everything he could think of, military, sports, everything. And he really felt convicted to share Christ with this guy. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. He, you know, he's giving me a ride. He didn't, he kind of fought that. But the conviction was so overwhelming that he shared the gospel with this guy. And he asked him, do you want to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? And he went through the plan of salvation. And this Mr. Hanover, he put his blinkers on and he pulled off to the side of the road. And by faith, he bowed his head and he believed that Christ died for his sins, was buried, and rose again for him. By faith, he trusted in Christ Jesus. And at that very moment, became a new creation in Christ, that he became a citizen of heaven. Life eternal was his. By faith, he'd accepted that free gift of salvation that God offers to all and they continued on their talking about the goodness of God. They got close to, to Roger Sims' place, and Mr. Hanover let Mr. Sims out. And Mr. Hanover kept on going down the road. Well, five years went by. Five years went by. And Roger Sims had a reason to be in, uh, uh, in Chicago, and, and Mr. Hanover had given him a card had to do, uh, the card was uh, a card about uh, Hanover Industries, or Hanover in Enterprises. And he thought, you know, I'm going to look this, this man up. Because he told him, if you're ever in Chicago, look me up. So he went to Hanover Enterprises, and this is a huge building, and he walked into the building, and he asked the receptionist, and she looked at him a little funny, and she said, well, you'll need to talk to Mrs. Hanover. And so he was given an audience to go and talk to Mrs. Hanover. And she welcomed and said, uh, I'm sorry to tell you that, that Mr. Hanover passed away. What's, what is your story and your relationship to him? And he shared that story, what had happened. And she burst out crying and sobbing almost uncontrollably. And he, 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 what did I say? What did I do? I, I'm sorry. And she told Mr. Sims for the first time that right after he, he had dropped him off, he was killed in a terrible car wreck just so many miles up the interstate. And for years, he had been praying for years and years and years for her husband to come to know Christ and she did not know whether or not he ever did and what a blessing it was to finally hear five years later that he had come to know Christ folks I'm telling you true story we never know we never know when we open up and share the gospel this guy was ready to hear where he pulled over and said tell me tell me about God's plan of salvation. I understand it's scary. I understand sometimes it's not comfortable. 
I understand sometimes it falls on deaf ears, but I also understand that the Holy Spirit is convicting, He is all-powerful, and He works. So 2021, what we want to do is we want to set goals to reach this neighborhood again. We want to set goals, and COVID just thinks it's going to win. COVID thinks that it's going to prohibit us from doing what God's called us to do. We let this year slip by us. We had so many plans when it came to vacation Bible school, when it came to different programs. We're going to set new goals that COVID ain't going to be able to catch us when it comes to reaching this neighborhood for the Lord Jesus Christ. We planned on canvassing those new apartments. Well, there's been no canvassing done. Why? Because of COVID. So we've got to outthink the devil. We've got to think of a way that we can reach those apartments. Because right now you can't go knock on the door. They don't even walk their dogs without a mask. They, they certainly don't want you to come into their house. We've got to pray about in 2021, our, our motto, our, what we are going to claim to do is to win the lost at any cost. Because time is running out, folks. Time is running out. The other thing, when it comes to total submission, complete submission, is faithfulness. You understand that the Scripture mostly talks about, when you study God's Word, the Scripture mostly, mainly, talks about the faithfulness of God. It speaks of the faithfulness of God more than it even does the faithfulness of us. In 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul tells this young man, the things that you've learned that we must teach other faithful men. That's what, what he tells Timothy. That we need to teach the things that Timothy had learned from him. Paul says you need to, you need to teach other faithful men. 1 Corinthians 4.2 Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You're a steward of the Word of God. It's required that you be found faithful. Verse 16 says, Therefore I beseech you, be you followers of me, for this cause have I sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you unto remembrance of my ways, which you be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Oh, he's wanting them to be faithful. Paul wasn't being braggadocious. He wasn't being an egotist. Paul had received a special revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ concerning this dispensation of the grace of God. And Paul was needing to make sure these people understood that distinct revelation, that mystery concerning this present dispensation of grace and how God was dealing with man. And our call to faithfulness today is not wrapped up in a code of laws and conduct, but it's wrapped up in a revealed message of God's grace, of His mercy, and of His plan for each and every, every one of us. I pray in 2021 that we love God even more and that we become more mature in Christ in 2021. And the way you do that is with your nose in the book, studying God's Word. John Wesley one of the fathers of the faith, years ago, I think, had the right attitude. John Wesley said, get on fire for God, and man will come just to see you burn. I like that. I like that. Get on fire for God, and men will show up just to see you burn. That needs to be our attitude here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship. So what do I think is going to happen in, 19, or in 2021? I'm going to get back to normal? Boy, I hope not. Again, normal means a church stagnant. Thank you, Rob. It's asleep at the wheel. It's just so comfortable and complacent. 
that what moves it is not what moves the heart of God. That's what I want to be. As a man who's moved by what moves the heart of God. 2021, church, you can expect criticism. In 2021, you can expect more persecution and attacks. In 2021, you need to realize that there's a new group called the New Atheist who hates you, who despise you, who want to ridicule and mock you, and they're well on their way to setting a world against you. But you know what? The Lord Jesus told us that the world's not going to love you anyway. And if you want the world to love you, you're on the wrong side. That's the bottom line. If you expect love from the world, you're on the wrong side. You say, Pastor, do you ever let up? Will you ever stop with the dread and the warnings? Because they're getting old. You know, there are times I'm watching the weather, and boy, I wish that weatherman would not talk about that hurricane that's beating down on, on Florida or New Orleans or someplace. Why don't he just quit talking about that hurricane that's coming so we could just be comfortable here in Florida? Not that we're in Florida, but you, you get in the message? What would you think of a weatherman that didn't issue the warning when there was bad weather, when there were storms on the way, they could see the clouds gathering, they could see what's about to take place. If they were not going on, you hear that beep across the bottom of your television, warning you, warning you. Folks, the church had better start warning, warning because we are facing difficult times. We need to prepare. If you're tired of me warning you, if you're tired of being told truth, and I hope no one here is, you need to find another church. Does that make sense? You need to find another church. Because we will always stand on God's word. We will always speak truth. I don't care. If it makes us uncomfortable. As long as it draws us closer to Christ. As long as it causes us to seek his face and to seek his will. Psalm 119, 111. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Well, I also hide God's word in my heart because what it tells me is happening, is going to happen, but I hide God's word in my heart that I can face the future with boldness, with courage. I hide God's word in my heart that I might wake up each and every morning thrilled that I belong to Him, He belongs to me, that I've been bought with a price. There's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. All these truths I find in His word. That's why I hide His word in my heart. I hide His word in my heart that I might be found faithful. I might be found true. I hide His word in my heart that I might know Him more intimately and what He says as we serve Him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for the salvation that we have in Christ. Father, we're thankful that we can stand and proclaim, thus saith the Lord, without apology, without doubt, and Father, without fear. Father, may we be bold in our presentation of the Scriptures. May we be bold in our witnessing. 
Father, give us wisdom. Give us insight into how to reach a lost and dying world for Christ. Father, help us to understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. And Father, may we faithfully proclaim your word. And Father, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here who has never trusted you, Father, that this will be the moment that they become your child. Father, this will be the moment that they are made a new creation. Father, I pray this very moment that the Holy Spirit will convict them that it's not by their works, not by their deeds, not by their own actions, but Father, by your grace through faith. That, Father, it is your desire to save them based on the complete and finished work of Christ Jesus on Calvary's cross. Yes, Father, you have saved us to serve, but that's not what saves us. Father, the service is just what we owe you for making us your children. Father, it's, it's with delight, it is with excitement that we get to share in your plan of salvation as we share the good news with a dying world. But Father, that gift of salvation is free. And I pray this morning, if there's anyone here who has not by faith received that, this will be the moment that they'll say yes. Father, may they realize it's not the preacher they need to talk to. It's not anyone in the church. But Father, it's to you that they say, yes, Lord, I believe. And the Holy Spirit changes them places them into the body of Christ, seals them until the day of redemption, that nothing can separate them from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you for all these truths. And Father, help us to be a church that's bold, that's resolved to serve you all the days of our lives. And we pray these things in Christ's holy and most precious name. Amen.